Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow, after all these years, my heart is still blessed when I hear the testimonies and the songs. There's nothing like redeemed men giving praise and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, like uh, was told, my name is Paul Burke. I'm the executive director of Brooklyn Teen Challenge, and it is an absolute privilege for me to be here today. I have to thank uh, Pastor Chris and Kristen for uh, inviting us here. Once again, we've been here before, uh, but they're like family to us, and we, we, we totally appreciate you guys so much and love you guys and your family and appreciate what you mean to us. I want to thank my staff uh, and students who did a great job today. Thank you guys. You're wonderful. I want to greet, of course, my wife, who is here today, who doesn't get to go with me to every outreach, uh, and I'm so blessed by her and my children, and the reason why we're able to be here is because you guys have such a great children's ministry that my kids will go in that. So thank you guys for taking care of the children so my wife could be in service. And I also want to give a, a special shout out to uh, RJ, who's in the back over there, the director of Long Island Team Challenge, a good... Uh, a good friend of mine and also a brother uh, in the same battle that we are fighting to see men and women rescued out of the grips of addiction. Amen. If you could turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I'm really excited uh, about this message that the Lord has given me. I mean, I'm generally excited about all messages that the Lord gives me, but I've been praying over this one for in developing this one, probably for a month, the Lord spoke to me. I remember where I was standing at the time when he gave me the revelation and the word and said, this is for Compass Church. So, so I brought something for you today, and I believe it's going to encourage and challenge each one of us, and I believe God's going to a great way today. I do know that today is Super Bowl Sunday, so I promise kickoff is at 6.30. We will be done by that time, for sure, for sure. But other than that, I can't give you any promises. Amen? Luke chapter 15, verse 11, I will start with. Um, I will be sharing out of a, a portion of scripture that most of you have probably heard or read. Uh, but the Lord really showed something different to me in this portion of scripture this time uh, while I was reading it uh, in my time with the Lord. And I want to share it with you. Verse 11, it says, Then he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them, them his livelihood. Verse 13. And many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Verse 14. But when he had spent all... There arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough? And to spare, and I perish with hunger. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father's, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion. Aren't you glad our father has compassion? And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in all in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was once lost and now is found and they began to be merry. And this is really my text. Now his older brother, say older brother, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, that's important, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, talking about the older son, and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat, that I might be merry with my friends. But as soon as your son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he's alive again, and was lost, and now he's found. The title of my message today is Don't Miss the Point, with the subtitle of A Closer Walk with Jesus. I find it ironic that the son didn't know what all the commotion was, the older son. You would think that the father would have communicated what his plan was. And when his son returned, you would think that the son, knowing the dad's heart, would realize that his father would have a great celebration once the prodigal showed up. But he did not. I found this interesting enough to go deeper into the story. And what I learned is that you can be in the Father's house and not know his plans. What I learned is you could be in the vicinity of your Father and not know how he thinks. What I learned is you could be close to the Father in position and not know his heart. See, time and space does not equal connection. God is looking for intimacy, and intimacy requires something of you. As I was preparing my heart, and my mind to communicate what I believe the Holy Spirit was sharing with me, I was reminded of this song that we used to sing when I was a young boy in church called A Closer Walk With Thee. Do you remember that song? I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Just as I walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, my plea, daily walk close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be when my feeble life is over. 
time for me will be no more. Guide me gently, safely over to the kingdom shore, to thy shore, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. I thank you so much for this word, Lord. The Holy Scriptures don't need anything added to it or taken away, Lord. It is already anointed as is. But I ask you in this moment of time, humbly I come to you, Lord, to anoint me as your messenger. Lord, I pray that you take hold of my mind, my tongue, and my thoughts, Lord, and you use them for your glory today. Lord, I, I pray that you apprehend the hearts of the listeners and you prepare their hearts just as soil is prepared for seed. Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name that you take your strong right hand and press it against any distractions that would come into this room to come against the ministering of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. You see, I believe there's a genuine desire for most believers to be closer to the Lord. I know without a doubt that our Heavenly Father desires closeness and intimacy with His creation. The cross alone was proof of that. That God desires to make Himself known and to be known by His creation. So much so that when sin had separated a mankind from Him, that He sent His only begotten Son to pay the penalty for sin for each one of me and you. But how do you go from being a son in the field working, a son close in proximity to the Father, to a son that knows the heart of God? You see, Psalms 25, 14 says, The Lord confides in those who fear Him, and He makes His covenant known to them. Another version says, The Lord shares His secrets with those that fear Him. God is willing to share, share his heart and his mind with those that fear him, with those that revere him, with those that honor him as God. He's willing to share the way he thinks, the way he moves, according to his plan for humanity and according to the plan that he has for each one of us in our own lives. It says here that, that he makes his covenant known to them. Now another word for covenant is promises or plans or contract that God desires to make his will known to humanity. Looking back at the text, the, should, the son should have known not to ask anyone what was going on in his father's house because he should have known himself. But he went to a servant, someone that was not in the same bloodline, somebody that would not collect the father's inheritance, someone that would not have anything passed down to him, what was going on in his father's house. And I see that as being a problem. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of closeness and intimacy to the father. You see, God calls us to be holy and separated for Him. Scripture is clear to us about that. You see, holiness is an inward connection that, that produces an outward change. This is a result of an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. But before we can even get 
get into the subject of connection and intimacy, we have to understand that this is only done by the finished work of the cross. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he is reconciled to you by Christ, physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free of accusation. See, we cannot have a connection or intimacy with God if you've not been reconciled to him. And you cannot be, once you're reconciled to him, then regeneration begins. This begins when a man and woman repents of their sins and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and they're born again. Only at this time can intimacy begin. So the, the, first, the first thing, an order of service in our own spiritual walk is that we must be born again. Because the Bible says that we've been separated from God. And that it's faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross that saves us. And the Bible is very clear that salvation is only found in one name, and that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Do I have any believers under the sound of my voice? So as I'm beginning to talk about closeness and intimacy, I want to be clear. Before, this may be something that is usually said at the end of service, but I want to say it right now. Is that in order to have true intimacy with God, you first must be born again. Jesus said this in John chapter 3. He said that you cannot even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. And that's why the unregenerated think that the cross is foolishness. That's why they think serving God is foolishness. That's why they think going to church every week and lifting your hands and honoring God with your life is foolishness. Because they can't even see it. They don't understand it. The Bible is very clear that, that, that the natural mind cannot understand uh, spiritual things. That it is only the spirit that understands spiritual things. So there is no possible way to be close to God regardless of what your culture teaches, what other faiths teaches, what other religion teaches you. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And I boldly declare that in the name of Jesus today. There is no other way. And I wanted to make that very clear before I even talk about intimacy and closeness to God. Because the first order of business needs to be taken care of in your life and in your heart before any of what I'm going to say following this will matter. And if you want to have closeness and intimacy with God and you want to have a closer walk with thee, the first thing I want to encourage you is that you must open up the lines of communication. You know, I told... Uh, Where'd the radio go? I had a... Oh, there it is. Thanks. I had a little radio. I meant to bring my children's. They have a Spider-Man one, and it was a little bit more colorful and probably works better than these, actually. But, but, uh, but I wanted to, uh, to show you something here. This is a two-way radio. That's what they're called, right? Now, there's a difference between an intercom and a two-way radio. An intercom works, you know, 
those of you, you remember being at school or being in a place where they have intercoms and you hear someone saying something like, next Sunday. No. Yeah, I should have brought the Spider-Man ones. I know them. I, I play with them with my kids, so I know them well. The point is, is that there has to be an open line of communication. See, the Holy Spirit desires an intimate relationship built on hearing from you and you hearing from him. Now, I know that this could get weird because I've met a lot of people over my life that constantly believe that God is speaking to them and that they hear all these things and you know, and, and, and I do believe that God speaks to our spirit. I believe that God speaks to us in at least four ways. Number one, uh, he does speak to us in our spirit. He does speak to us through other people. And he does speak to us through circumstances. But his primary way of speaking back to humanity is through these holy scriptures right here. And if you're wondering why you're not hearing from God and you're wondering why you don't know the will of God for your life and you don't know what to do next, that's a good time to start getting into the word because the revealed will of God is written out very clearly in this. And if you want to understand uh, God in more of an intimate way, the most important thing you could ever do is open up these scriptures. This is the most easiest way to open up a two-way conversation with God. And that if we're not willing to open up the word and not willing to get into the scriptures to find out the revealed will of God to humanity, then why would he ever want to give us anything extra? Why else would he want to speak to us? Why, would he, why else would he ever want to communicate anything if we're not willing to open up his revealed will in front of us? So I want to tell you, if you want intimacy with God, and I believe that most of you do because you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning if you didn't, understand this, my friends, that the, the, the easiest way and the most proficient way to get close to God is to get your head in this word. And I know that sounds elementary. It sounds like you mean you brought this preacher all the way from Brooklyn to tell me to read my Bible. And I'm here to tell you it might sound like the most elementary thing that you've ever heard, but I'm going to tell you it is the most foundational thing you'll ever hear in your life. That God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to speak to you in your circumstances, in your situation. He wants to tell you how to move and how to make choices. But if the, the primary way that he's going to do it is in this word. See, you can be in the vicinity of the Father, in the house of the Father, and not know the Father's heart. You can be in church every week, and you can miss out what God is trying to speak to you. You can be even in the ministry around the work of the Lord and miss what God is trying to speak to you. And I'm here to tell you today, my friend, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today. 
That God is not a God that has stopped speaking to his people, encouraging his people, correcting his people, and even at times rebuking his people. But the beginning of intimacy with God has to come on a firm foundation of knowing the word of God, the revealed word of God. I find it so funny that the older son didn't know the father's plans. He had to go and ask a servant in verse 25 to 27. It says, now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near the house and he heard music and dancing. At that point, you would have thought he said, my brother must be home. They're having a party. They're having a celebration. But he had to call one of the, his servants to find out the will of his father. See, friends, you could be in the father's house. You could be in the vicinity of the father and miss everything that God is doing. I would imagine if he would have at least had a conversation with the father once in a, once in a while, he would have known the father's will. The older brother was blessed with access to the father, but did not take advantage of the privilege that he was granted. I'm sure the father whose heart was broken for his prodigal, who was, uh, was desiring his son to come home, would, if the, the older son would have had conversation with him, he would have known, listen, when your, son, when your brother comes home, because I'm believing he's going to come home one day, we're going we're gonna to have a party and you'll hear dancing and celebration and we're even going to kill the fatted calf. I'm sure the father uh, told his, his wife, don't worry, when our son comes home, this is what we're going to do. He probably told the servants, listen, when I give you the cue that my son has come home, this is what I'm going to do. Yet the older son who had been with him the whole time had no idea what was going on. That is a problem to me, my friends. That is a lack of communication from the older son to the father. And the God wants to open up communication with you today. He wants you to know his purpose. He wants you to know his will. He wants, he wants you to know his ways. You see, relationship creates access. But Jesus needs to be enough for you. It's the unknown that creates intimacy because the unknown creates pursuit. It's the unknown that creates intimacy. It's the unknown that creates pursuit. For those of you that remember dating or those of you that are married and those of you that at one time had somebody that you were pursuing. It was the unknown that created intimacy. I want to know everything about you. And you begin to pursue, ask questions, have conversations. Me and my wife, when she was at school, she would call me and we'd spend an hour or two on the phone. Now I call her and she's trying to get me off as quick as possible. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But the unknown creates in, in, intimacy because intimacy will only be gotten by pursuit. Therefore, God will leave you 
with need to pursue his voice. And the question I have to ask you is will you pursue? Will you pursue? My second point are not missing the point in a closer walk with Jesus. We have to turn our working into worship and, your, and our labors into love. Turn our working into worship and our labors into love. Let me define what work and labor is. Some you get paid for and some is just taking care of life responsibilities. What do I mean by this? A stay-at-home wife or mother works very, very hard, but she may not get paid for it. So when I say work and labors, I don't only mean your vocation or what you get paid for, but I am including that. You know, a couple days ago, I had to clean out a car, my wife's car. And that's just life responsibilities. I don't get paid for that. But there are people that that is their vocation. That's what they do. They clean out cars. And they do a very good job. Very good job. Excellent. Way better than I did, I'm telling you. A lot better. In fact, I don't even know if you knew it was cleaned out after I got done. But, but when you pay someone to do it, it looks good. Detailed. There are people that get paid to take out garbage, and that's their job. Thank God for the sanitation, right? Thank God for them. Things we take for granted. But occasionally you have to throw out some garbage and, and open that place. And uh, thank you. Um, what am I trying to say is that much of our life we're working and we're taking care of responsibilities whether we're getting paid for it or not. And that's really what I'm talking about. See, your attitude towards these things will greatly affect your spiritual health. It's in the mundane things that, of life that our life has had that we draw closer to the Lord. John Piper says this, he rewards faithfulness above fruitfulness, which puts us all on the same footing, whether famous for fruitfulness or unknown in our faith, faithfulness. I love this. He rewards, this is God, he rewards faithfulness above fruitfulness, which puts us all at the same footing, whether famous for fruitfulness or unknown in our faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. See, the older brother was working for his father, but his heart and his attitude was far from the father's heart. He was working grudgingly and with a posture of entitlement. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do wholeheartedly unto the Lord and not to men. This is a scripture we learn in the Teen Challenge program, and we do learn to work wholeheartedly. But see, scripture talks about working unto the Lord wholeheartedly, and many of us will do the work wholeheartedly. What we forget to do is unto the Lord. All of us are good at working wholeheartedly, but we don't just need to work hard. We need to work unto the Lord, and unto the Lord is an important part. And this is where our, sometimes there's a break in our closeness and intimacy with God is we separate our spiritual life from our responsibilities, and we come complain and, and murmur about everything that God has given us as a responsibility. 
I got a revelation recently in sitting in three hours of traffic, which I sit in quite often as I minister in New York City. And, and, and a couple of years ago, it really used to bother me. And people have come to me and say, Brother Paul, how do you do it? How do you drive and sit in traffic and da da da? And I have my things that I do, whether I listen to podcasts, make phone calls, whatnot, this and that. But I learned a while ago that the only reason that I get to sit in traffic is because I'm blessed with a car. And the only reason that I have a car is because I'm blessed with a job. And the only reason I'm able to keep a job because God rescued a drug addict that was unemployable and 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 and, and hopeless. To give me a job. So I'm no longer going to have an attitude towards any of my responsibilities, any of my challenges as something negative in my life. But I'm going to learn to be thankful for what God has me doing. See, the older brother was in the field and he was working, but he was not working unto the Lord. He was working on to get his entitlement. He was working grudgingly. He was working with bitterness in his heart. And I'm here to tell you, I'm speaking to some of you even here now, that you're struggling with a murmuring and complaining uh, a spirit and it's blocking your intimacy with God because the things that you're complaining about, you should be praising him about. The things that are hard in your life, you should be thanking him. Amen. Amen. Catch my breath. I have three wonderful boys. They're all wonderful. They're all very different. My youngest one, Asher, Did you ever see, uh, who's the guy with the insurance thing that everything gets destroyed when he's around? Man. 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 There are people praying and pleading with God to give them children. There are people that have tried for years to have babies that are not able to. I'm no longer going to complain about my little Asher because he's a blessing. The responsibility that God has given me is a blessing. And since much of our life we are busy taking care of chores, whether paid for or not, responsibilities, labors, I refuse to let that fix my attitude or take my posture towards the Lord and take my heart from being a heart of worship. The Bible says this, that he inhabits the praises of his people. And we often think about the praises in a situation like this when there's a choir singing. But what about praises when you're dealing with that coworker that you don't like? God will inhabit that area too if you'll praise him. What about when you're, when you're dealing with, with a boss that might be difficult, it might be hard, instead of complaining and murmuring and thinking that it's the worst thing in the world, thank God for that boss and pray for him and praise the Lord for it. And when you praise the Lord for it, he promises to inhabit the, 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 the very place that you are. And after all, isn't he much greater and much bigger than all of the things that we murmur and we complain about? Aren't all the things in life that usually cause us anxiety and stress, aren't they generally very, very trivial? They are. The older son was found working, so working was never his problem. 
See, but we're not just supposed to be working unto the boss or unto the company or unto the husband or unto the wife or unto the children, not to our retirement. We're to work unto the Lord. Anything else that we work unto is a form of idolatry, and, a, and idolatry is a form of worship. And I want to ask you today, who do you want to worship? So what does working have to do with closeness and intimacy with the Father? It does because you spend the majority of your life taking care of these responsibilities of some sort. And our responsibility is to manage and direct our thoughts towards the blessing of responsibility. Yes, work and responsibility is a blessing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 13 says, Let each of them, uh, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil, for this is the gift of God. The satisfaction in your work is the gift of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 22 says, so, so I saw that there was nothing better for a person that, than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen to them after? We are called to responsibility. We are called to serve. We are called to take care of issues and fix problems. And when we are called to do those very things, it is actually a blessing to be able to serve. Thank God we have strength in our body. Thank God we have a mind that still works. Thank God things that should have wrecked us or caused us to have a nervous breakdown, God has sustained us. Thank God. Thank God. God, don't miss the point. If you want a closer walk with me, we have to shift our thinking towards the things that we're probably complaining about. And the older son was missing the point. My third point, and the worship team could come. As it pertains to intimacy with God, Closeness to Jesus. We have to learn to release our broken places to him. Verse 28, when he's talking about the older brother, he says, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. The older brother was obviously hurt. He was bitter. And he was jealous. He was angry, the Bible says. His own brother who was dying. His own brother that had been cast away. Maybe they didn't even know if he was alive, Pastor Chris. Maybe they, were, maybe, maybe they thought he was dead by this point and had no idea. Yet his own older brother was angry when he came home. We don't talk about the older brother very often. But the older brother was hurt. And he had not found healing in what bothered him. How do we know that we, ha we haven't been healed in our broken places? Because things make us anger, angry. We carry bitterness, resentment, jealousy, shame, or denial. And if there's any area of our life that we're angry, we're bitter, we're resentment, we're jealous, or we're full of shame or denial, there obviously needs to be some healing. What's more important to you? 
your opinion or having God's heart. The father is filled with compassion and the older brother is filled with jealousy, bitterness, and pride. So what's more important, the older brother's opinion or having his father's heart? Instead of being happy for someone else, we get busy overanalyzing someone else's grace at the same time overlooking the grace that has been given to us. I'm going to repeat that. Instead of being happy we get busy overanalyzing someone else's grace at the same time overlooking the grace that has been given to us. The older brother was obviously had some hurts. And it's evident that he did not talk to the father about them. And I want to tell you something, friends. Your, your brokenness is much more of value than your pretend wholeness will ever be. Psalms 18.35 says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up, and your gentleness has made me great. You see, God is gentle with our broken places. And true intimacy with God comes up when we're willing to offer those places up to him. Where are you broken today? Where is their pride acting as a protection for you today? See, don't miss the point. It's not about self-preservation, but about a closer walk with him. Jesus. Don't miss the point. I'm going to repeat that again. It's not about self-preservation, but about a closer walk with him. I remember six days in the program, Teen Challenge, and I've shared this part of my testimony. My father had passed away, and uh, the executive director called for a meeting with me. We had just gotten to a, a retreat that they go on every single year. I was in the program six days clean from drugs and alcohol, six days, and I mean heavy drugs and heavy alcohol, about, about seven straight years on a run, 18 years in total addicted to drugs, and, and I just had six days clean, so I, I didn't have a whole lot going on. I could still taste the alcohol on my tongue. I could still smell the cocaine in my nostrils. I could still, I could, I'm sure it was still coming out of my pores. I was still coughing up soot from smoking crack from the chore boy, man. I was still coughing it up. It was six days. My mind still wasn't right. And I remember walking away from that conversation when the executive director said, listen, your father had just passed away and your family's coming up here to pick you up and they're going to take you. And most people, obviously, after six days in the program, and some of you guys that are in the program will relate, after six days, man, and, and, and your family's coming to get you, to take you out, the first thing you think of is, man, that's, a, that's an excuse to get out. My sister said, listen, you could come. You, you, you don't have to stay there no more. You can come with us. You know, we need your help to, to grieve our father. And My family came, and I got left a little bit of money, not a lot of money, but to, to, a, to a drug addict, it was a lot of money little bit of very little bit of money but to a drug addict it was it was it was it was enough to go on a run for a couple weeks and I remember walking in that field by myself broken weeping like what do I do and this is one of those times that I feel like I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me not audible but it was so clear it might as well have been the Lord told me if you'll if you'll offer up this pain, if you'll offer up this brokenness to me right now, just give it to me. I'll bless your life. 
And I'm not saying that God takes every, you know, we all go through hardships and not everything leads to some, some rainbow. I'm not saying that. But in that particular moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, listen, offer up your broken places to me. And I will bless your life. And I can look back at that day, 14 and a half, almost 15 years later, I could say that was the Lord because he's done everything that he said he would do in my life. And he's blessed my life. I'm telling you, if the older brother would have offered his hurt to the, to the father when the son came home, he would have realized this is the will of God. But there was no intimacy because he was out doing his jobs and his responsibilities and he was grudgingly and he was bitter and he was complaining. He didn't have a two-way communication with the father. He wasn't communicating and asking him his will and asking him what to do. And he never went to the father and said, Father, I'm angry because of this. Because the father was filled with compassion. So I have to believe that same father would have put his arm around his son and said, let's walk through this together. But he stayed in the field and he stayed away and he was around the things of God and around the field and around the house of the father and around the work, but never really entering in. Tonight, today, God wants you to enter in. Today, we're going to the next level. We're going deeper today. We're no longer standing on a surface. We're going to release these bro the broken pieces to God. We're going to start listening to him and talking to him. See, when the Father says, you have been with me all this time, and all that I have is yours, we generally think that he was talking about possessions, wealth, and goods. And I'm sure he was, some of that was, but that's what comes to mind, right? We say, you've been with me, and I'm going to, everything is mine. And the first thing we think of is the castle and the land, and that's what I think of. But the Lord spoke to me very clearly this week. Although the, we think about the wealth and the goods and the possessions, the Father is more concerned about giving you his heart, his love, and his character and passing that down to you. And the Father was saying to the Son, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. The same heart of compassion that I have for your brother, I want to pass down to you. Forget about the farm and the cattle and forget about all this goods and the money. That's, that's, that doesn't compare to the heavenly father passing down his own character to you. God wants to establish his, his character in you. That compassion that the father has, he wants you to have. The heart for the lost, he wants you to have. The purpose for us gathering together and the church being the church he wants you to clearly understand what it means to make disciples, what it means to pick up your cross and follow him, what it means to be intimate with the Holy Spirit, it means to be intimate with the heart of God, passing down from one generation to the next generation the reality of who he is reflected in who we are becoming. Passing down from generation to generation the reality of who he is reflected in who we are becoming. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. And I believe God's going to do some heart work. I said a lot. 
Some of us today, we have to do the first thing. And some of us today need, need to surrender our life to Jesus Christ. We need to pick up our cross and follow him. Some of us today might be the first day of that journey. For some of us, we have to open up the two ways of communication. We're here, we're around church, we're doing our families around the things of God, we're around the Father's work. But we don't know the heart of God, the heart of the Father. Some of us today, we're complaining and murmuring and sit in an atmosphere of criticism and critical thinking over the very thing that somebody else would be blessed to have. There are people that watch your life that, that think you're blessed and would trade in their circumstances for yours and for mine. And we have no right. We have no right to set an attitude of praise and thanksgiving around us. Number three, there's some of us in here, you've been carrying hurt, some of you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that you still have not made yourself vulnerable to the Holy Spirit and released your hurts. You've held on to them. Self-preservation, protection. Today, the Lord wants you to release that to him today. If that's any of, any of those things, I want you to come down here and fill this altar. We're going to pray, and the Holy Spirit's going to move in such a, a, such a way. I believe God's going to do a great work tonight, today at these altars. I believe that. I believe that. We're going to sing a song as you come. As you come. Father, Lord, this is your word. Father, do what you do. Holy Spirit, minister to the hearts that those are lost and those are hurting. Holy Spirit, move in this place, Lord. I could only do what's humanly possible. Now it's time for the supernatural, Lord God. None of us in here can save a person. None of us here can baptize someone in the Holy Spirit. None of us can heal anyone here, Lord, today. Not truly or really. So I pray in Jesus' name that you do your work here today, Lord. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move.